So I want to encourage you, um, God commands us to minister to the spiritual needs of the people around us. How do we do that? It looks different in every person's life. But here's one thing that all of us can do, because how many of you know we all have spiritual needs? One thing we all can do is invite people in on our journey of faith in a variety of ways, but a central way is to invite people to come and join with you, sit with you in church uh, as we gather here, particularly next week. Again, people are four times as likely to say yes right now because of Easter. Uh, so I encourage you in that. How many you know there's just something so fulfilling about watching somebody's life be transformed knowing that you are a part of the equation? I mean, it's just so amazing. I have people ask in the second service, who's that loud guy up there on the front? Speaking of Daniel Pulliam, who sits over here, like the dude is just loud. He comes into every room. I, I, I was in a rotary meeting, and he just he saw me back there in the back of a restaurant. He came back, hey, pastor, hey, everybody, I'm going to run for governor. You know, I'm just like, Daniel, you don't even know these people. But, you know, I'm, I'm just so thankful that God awakens something in the heart of lost people to come to know Christ, and then they show up. They don't necessarily know how to church like the rest of us do, and we need that. If we're going to stay fresh and alive and reaching people, then we need that. Come on. I'm thankful. So feel free to be noisy uh, as much as you would like to be noisy. I appreciate Karen and your shouts and your amens. Come on. I'm thankful. Somebody ought to shout, walk the dog, bishop, amen, something, because we love God's Word. God's Word is living and active, and it awakens something within our hearts, and God's Word deserves a response. We give God's Word home field advantage in this place. We shouldn't give depression home field advantage. We should give God's Word home field advantage, and people need that in our world today. So I want you to, to uh, just prayerfully consider that connection to be made, and, and I want you to think about this. Uh, this is new. And again, this is part of housekeeping as we're preparing coming into the Easter time. We, we're trying to figure out how to do what God's asked us to do more effectively. None of us has figured this all, all out. We're all on a journey trying to find our way. Uh, there is a, something we've called discovering destiny. I want you to erase from your mind what that has been in times past, okay? It's a new idea for us. And what we're doing now is a two-week focus three times a year to give people an on-ramp so they can come in and discover more about how God designed them. It's going to be between the two services, and guess what? We're going to start at the week after Easter Sunday. After everybody comes and makes a decision to serve Jesus, we want to give them an, an immediate opportunity. Week one, from 11 to 11.30, in the upstairs uh, in our high school area up there in the, the what's that place called? Media Center. Thank you, Ms. Potter. Um, the first week will be meet the Destiny family and discover your design. And we actually have a new gift assessment test that we've found that's specifically related to discovering your ministry gift expression in your life. And we'll be introducing that in week one. And then week two, develop your gifts and get connected. So if you'd like to attend that, then we would invite you to do so. It's okay. Pack out the room. Make us move to a bigger room if we need to. But do that by filling out a Connect card, dropping it in a giving station. And more importantly than that, bring somebody. Take someone with you. I know there are a number of you here in the room that are first-time guests with us. I would invite you. It's not a commitment you're making, but an experience of coming in and seeing a little bit of who God's asked us to be as a family and who you are as an individual to see if that fits. So that'll start a week after Sunday, but I need you to please sign up. All right? Um, fully loving family. Man, it's been 
uh, a really great season of just understanding what it is to really be awakened by the love of God and causing us then to become more loving. We've learned in the course of these few weeks together that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not about pretending you're nice on behalf of God. It's admitting you're not as nice as him. How many of you are not as nice as Jesus? Can I just see? Uh, and that's okay. He doesn't ask you to try and be nicer than he is. What, the gospel is really not about uh, how, you're, how you live for God as much as how you die to yourself so Jesus can live through your surrendered available life. And so as we walk that out, we learn more of what it is to really fight uh, in a way that expresses God's love and expands God's kingdom. Nehemiah 4.14 says, Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. We've learned that this is not just about natural family. It's about spiritual family. Fight for your coworkers, your neighbors, for the people that God's entrusted to the five-foot circle of your world. Those are the people that he's entrusted to your care. And I want to read through. I, I was tempted to, to skip this. Uh, and, and just because we've got so much I'm trying to fit in today. And, you know, whenever I start feeling that way, like I am right now, <laughs> you know what I do? I just stop. I put my phone down and walk away from my notes because it is more important that we're listening to what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do than get our agenda done. And so I just want us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in this. I want us to pay attention to what He's desiring to speak. I, I, I'm, I'm repenting in our 8 o'clock, or sorry, 9 o'clock uh, prayer team rally that we do. Everybody feel free to join us at nine. The place is pretty full of people just showing up to pray. Uh, but I shared this morning, I have to apologize and I have to repent because I've been given to the idea that many pastors are in society that you and I live. And I'm going to address this pretty hardcore in the amount of time that I have. So I want you to put on your seatbelt and put your helmet on. I want to take you deep real fast in just a few moments. But I've, I've had to repent because what we tend to do is find clever ideas that will entertain and attract people to come back, and then we look for verses of Scripture that will sustain our clever ideas to keep everybody really excited about church. And I'm, I'm, I'm stepping away from that. I, I don't want to have anything to do with that. What I want to do, instead of come up with my clever, is I really want to focus on God's Word because that's where we find God's power. And what we don't need is man's clever. What we do need is God's power. Somebody ought to walk the dog, Bishop, amen, shout, clap your hands and declare it. We want more of what God wants us to possess as the body of Christ. So this morning, I began to just read these verses in my prayer time at home, and, uh, and as soon as I started reading them, I realized I'm going to do what this says, and I just literally got on my knees and began to pray these verses, and I'm going to just take the time to pray through these Ephesians 3, 14 to 19 verses that we've been focusing on. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. We're actually going to dwell on that verse in weeks ahead as we take a different focus of different season. But we're going to be rooted and grounded in love. Two different perspectives of love. Verse 18, that we may have 
strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, big kingpin expression, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Man, it's impossible. That's not possible. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Like, how many times do we read the Bible and neglect the content and the depth of what God is revealing in Scripture? And we go right past something like that that is so profound that it's only supernatural that it, what God's revealing can actually take place. You know, when I was a kid, my parents bought me a water wiggle. Anybody know what that is? That's where you put a big hose connected to an apparatus that has a little hose, and the, the power, the force of the water can't get through that, and so it forces that little hose to shoot all over the place. And like, you know, you run through it, and it gets you all wet. And, and, and I was thinking about that this morning as I was pondering, like the fullness of God. Did you hear it? You're the water wiggle. You get this point? You are the water wiggle. It's the full to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And what I think's happened in the church world that you and I live in is we have a bunch of dead water wiggles that are just trying to present something for God. I really hope we can give our best clever, you know, go do this, go do that. Let's try and represent God well. And what we need to do is get plugged in so the force of God's love, so the capacity of God within you will cause you to go crazy for Jesus, filled with his love, anointed with his power. Somebody just shout and declare it today. Come on, I need more of him strengthening my inner being. I don't want to preach some clever sermon. I want to experience the power of God. I don't want you to come to hear a speaker. I want you to come to encounter the Savior. That must be what our goal and our objective is as the body of Christ. He wants to have an expression through your life that is life and love and power and anointing. Because you can't contain when he fills you full of him, the fullness of God in you will cause an overflow of God through your surrendered available life. God is not merely wanting to conquer your emptiness. He desires to fill you with all the fullness of God so that he can overflow into the lives of other people. That's why this week it's so important that we're focusing in on inviting people on this faith journey. <laughs> invite people in, invite them to lunch, invite them to coffee, invite them into your life. I'm, I'm feeling that again. People are not projects. Here's, here's a big one. God's not trying to draw people into your belief system. He's trying to draw people into his love. You don't invite people on this journey so you can straighten them out. Our job is not to change people. Our job is to love people. And we've been ill-equipped by the, the guard, the church. And I love the church. I'm a pastor. I love the church. I'm not backing on the church. But I'm not willing to leave the church where the church has been when I believe God's taking us to another place. 
People are not there in your life to help you fulfill your assignment. They are actually the assignment of love that God desires for you to embrace. So when you're inviting people on the journey, you're not inviting them with some hidden agenda. Don't let your love have some hook in it as if you're trying to hook them for the gospel. Don't do that. Take the hook out or it's not really love. You just love people. Don't try and change them. Don't, you didn't waste your time if you didn't pray a sinner's prayer with somebody that you're hoping comes to know Christ. You're doing what God's asked you to do and love the people around you. And inviting them on this journey shows up in a lot of ways. But how many of you know it's absolutely true? One invitation to church can change a person's eternity. So I remember my life just being this constant cycle of, you know, misery I felt that I didn't have a purpose at all. I felt that my life was meaningless. I was here for no reason. I never ever belonged and I started looking for, for happiness and I would do cocaine every single day of my life. I remember at one point saying, I don't wanna do this anymore. And I laid in my bed and I said, if there's anybody listening to me, I just need to get out of this and I really wanna stop. And I feel like in that very moment, God started to show up in my life little by little, and my friend invited me to church. And I was just fed up. I was like, I'm gonna go once, and that's gonna be it. But I'm not gonna feel anything. I'm not gonna see anything. I'm not gonna hear anything. But I'm just gonna go to make you happy. I've never been into a church, actually, before the first time I went into Voo Church. I remember walking to the front gates, and I just see this girl holding up a sign that says, you are loved. So I was like, how am I loved if you don't even know me? You know, nobody loves me. And she smiled at me, she gave me a hug, and I walked into the auditorium. I closed my eyes, and it felt as if somebody was like, just holding me there. The only thing I was able to hold on to was just that I finally belonged somewhere without having to try too hard. I felt love, and I felt like every bad thing that I had ever done didn't matter anymore. And I remember raising my hands and having my eyes closed and listening to that salvation prayer. And I had never heard it before. And I felt that for once, I was able to begin something new and to begin something that, a life that might be worth living for once. That is a day I'm, I'm never gonna forget. It's February 4th, 2018. I never felt good enough for God. I never felt good enough for anyone, not even for my own parents who abandoned me. So why would God see me as someone that he could come and rescue, you know, regardless of my past? And that is something that I believed for, for a while, that someone like me could never turn into someone so much better. Today, I, I just feel like God really has shown up and, you know, it just, it just takes Sometimes stepping back, but just connecting with him and listening to his voice. And one thing that, you know, I'll never forget is the person that I was before, because if I forget about that, I can go back to that at any time. This is my story, and the rest is history. I, um... You know, again, just listening, I'm just trying to be sensitive to the Lord, but I don't mean to overstep. 
but I just think of Tiffany sitting next to her mom, Mary. And if you could hear Tiffany's story, it would make you very uncomfortable. She doesn't come from a typical church person background. And they didn't grow up experiencing this home like maybe you would think they grew up experiencing because you see them so full of warmth and love and affection. But Tiffany came to know Christ. She's now interning in our church, and we love you and appreciate your leadership and your servanthood here. And um, one day, Mary, her mom, well, Tiffany was sharing her story at a women's event a year ago, and she invited her mom, and she came, and she goes, my mom's going to come. Will you pray for her? Pray and pray for me that I'll be able to... And, and it completely changed Mary's life. Mary was standing months later in the lobby, and she, she wouldn't let go of my hand. And Tiffany was watching, and she said, this place has just changed my life. This place has changed my life. Just Jesus has changed my life. And what, what this family does in this church family, I mean, she was going on and on. And, and Tiffany came up and said, okay, Mom, you're talking too much. Let's go ahead. And, and, and later, Tiffany came to me, and she said this. She said, you just have to understand, my mom's never been like this before. In fact, the culture of their lives growing up is so different because Jesus is the center that like they're having to navigate through this deep sense of warmth that they've not known before. And the description of hugging each other, it's like they feel this in their heart and they're just not exactly sure how to, how to do this. I'm just telling you, Jesus will change your life. He'll transform your legacy. He'll change everything about who you are. And I want to challenge you in understanding your pursuit. I want to go real deep, real fast with what I'm calling the pursuit. We've been talking about a fully loving family, but you be careful. Because the same way I'm having to step back and repent for some of the things that I was pursuing, I'm having to see with a little greater clarity, same thing for you. If I've convinced you, last week was one of the funnest messages I've ever spoken. I had people sending me the craziest videos this all week long from family adventure time because we learned about how important it is that we as a family have fun together. And, and you be careful because if an amazing family becomes your total pursuit, then you've moved Jesus out of the center and put something else there. I know this can be a little bit confusing, but I want you to understand it. Because if you do then no longer pursue Jesus as much as you're pursuing the amazing family, then you start putting pressure on everybody because I want this family to be amazing. I put pressure on my wife, I put pressure on my kids. And all of it, if we're honest, comes from putting pressure on myself. And nothing healthy is born from that. And I think it's vitally important that you and I understand we are all created to worship. Everybody worships something. Everybody pursues something. If you don't get your primary pursuit right, nothing else seems to work out. Anything can become your idol. 
And I, I'm going to address idolatry. I told uh, Faith, we were driving in this morning, my oldest daughter, I said, I'm speaking to a society that embraces and perpetuates the idea of idolatry as I'm addressing idolatry. I want you to know, there's some layers that are going to have to come back for God to do what he wants to do in your and my heart today. But we invite that, Lord. In the moments that we have together, these final few moments together, Lord, just go deep into our lives. Help us to become the people, Lord, that you created us to be, free from all the nonsense entanglements that the world and religion has tried to lay on us. Help us to understand, in Jesus' name, amen. So listen intently, please. What we do, or I'm sorry, what we believe has the power to change how we behave, but it doesn't always do so. I, I, I'll say it to you this way. I'll, I'll give them the best message I can, and then I'll ask a, a forum of people. So, now you've heard this, do you believe? And everybody says, yes, we believe. Some people have raised their hand, I believe. And then I say the next question, after I say, do you believe? Then I say, will you behave? <laughs> and people will say, yes, we'll behave. How many of you are better at believing than you are at behaving? Can I just see? Raise your hand. Okay, this is important. <laughs> this drives to the centerpiece of what, what I feel like the Lord wants us to understand today uh, and really recognizing God sent his son Jesus to move past the head knowledge to the heart. He's addressing. This, you just got to understand that you can write it in. It's your, it's your blank on your card. We believe what we believe, but we love what we love more than we believe what we believe. That's why what you believe doesn't always have the power to change how you behave because you might believe one thing, but you love something else even more. You were created to worship, and if you don't get your worship right, your heart will go in the wrong direction, even if your head is telling you something else. And how many of you know, people get hijacked every single day because they allow something in the heart that should have never been there. It's an issue of the heart. That's why Jesus came, and, and, and they're talking about the law and what everybody believes and, and all the thinking about what they believe. And he said, hey, this all hinges on this. These two things, love. Everybody say love. Love God with all your heart. It wasn't talking about the head. Love God with all your heart. Love others as you love yourself. What is he saying? He's saying, yes, you believe what you believe, but what do you love? So all of us in the room are pursuing something. None of us in the room have a sin problem. I'm going to let you think about that. Because some of you think I'm joking. You don't have a sin problem. It's deeper than that. You have a worship problem. What got in your heart hijacked your soul, took you to a place you never wanted to go. And in your brain, you kept screaming, why am I doing this? I don't want to be doing this. How can I stop doing this? Anybody listening to me? You believe what you believe, but you love what you love even more than you believe what you believe. You're created to be fascinated. God designed you with worship in mind. And you better beware of what I'm about to say. And I am 
with fear and trembling this week, have been pondering this for my own life. We are created to be fascinated, and what fascinates you will dominate you. And only Jesus can dominate you well. Only Jesus doesn't dominate you to cause you to be a slave. Only Jesus dominates you to cause you to rise up as a son and actually releases that domination in your heart called dominion and you become everything he's called you to be. Even the most non-religious people are fervent worshipers. Everybody's created to be fascinated. Everybody's fascinated with something. Everybody has something big in their heart. You don't give your life to what's in your head. You give your life to what's in your heart. Everybody is. Even the most non-religious people are fervent worshipers. Worship is at the core of your existence. Now listen carefully because I want you to understand the essence of worship. That which we sacrifice for, we glory in, and that is the essence of worship. If you sacrifice for fashion, you glory in what you wear. If you sacrifice for your car, you glory in what you drive. If you sacrifice for your house, then you glory in what you live in. If you sacrifice for that relationship, then you glory at that person that's next to your side. It's the essence of worship. You and I were created to be fascinated. What fascinates you dominates you. If you're fascinated with fashion, then fashion will dominate your, book, your, your bank account. If you're fascinated with whatever, power, advancement, promotion, write it down. It's, I don't think it's on your card. Write it down, please. Just because you choose your master doesn't mean you're not a slave. Just because you choose your master doesn't mean you're not a slave. If you feel incomplete and unfulfilled without a person at your side, you're single, and you need somebody to date every week, it's another person, you've got a deeper issue going on. You really think marrying somebody as crazy as you is going to solve your problem? Compound the crazy, <laughs> deepen the dysfunction, and take you to the cliff that you do not want to be standing at relationally or in any other way. Last blank. The root of idolatry is finding identity in something other than God, and it will never satisfy you. Well, I just feel the Lord is just surgically reaching into us. This is not one of those big blast things. He's surgically. How many of you are deeply convicted in this moment? Raise your hand. Deeply convicted. Like, raise your hand high. Deeply convicted. Because we live in a society that has so embraced idolatry as a way of life. And God says, I am wanting to draw the bride into a place where she's not hung up and caught up in all the stuff. I haven't got, like I didn't perfect this before I brought you the message. I'm on this journey myself. <laughs> See, when you get what you want, you don't want what you have. I got this car. Man, I love my car. It won't be very long. I need another car. I got this job. I love my job. It won't be very long. Oh, I need another job. 
I got this wife. Oh, I love this wife. Won't be very long. I got this church. I found this new church. You got you to gotta settle something in you. Or you're constantly going to want what you can't find because you're searching for identity in something other than the Lord. You're constantly going to want. What everybody shout, want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Come on, let's stand. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is, is, is he your shepherd? Is anybody here today and you say, ah, he's, he's not. I mean, we kind of take a real honest, transparent approach as a church. Like I stand up and talk about struggles in my own life. I shared a struggle uh, historically when Tracy and I were dating recently and it kind of freaked everybody out. It's like, what, seriously? No way. When you get transparent and honest, it kind of liberates everybody in the room just to be transparent and honest instead of the religious confusion that goes on when everybody's pretending like everything's okay and it's not. The Lord is my shepherd. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Have you prayed to receive Christ and have you made him Lord of your life? Because we can't go on till we get that right. The Lord is my shepherd. Anybody here and you say, I'm not so sure. Savior or Lord. I'm not so sure I've put him at the center. Raise your hand if that's you. We're going we're gonna to just pray. Thank you. Anybody else? Just quickly. Like, we put him at the center. Thank you. Pretty important that we get this right. When Jesus is at the center, things really seem to work out. When we move him off center, things really seem to get problematic. The Lord is my shepherd. Come on, everybody say this with me out loud on behalf of these that lift their hands. Just say it out loud. Say, Lord Jesus. You are my shepherd. You're the savior of the world. You're my savior. You're the Lord. Be my Lord. Take my life. Teach me your ways. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Come on, put your hand on your heart. Lord, forgive us for lust. Forgive us for idolatry. Forgive us for want. Forgive us, Lord, for all the things that have caused us to be distracted from the purposes of God. Take us deeper into the reality of your life, your love, and the power of God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Everybody said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I love this. It goes on. Surely, goodness and mercy will You remember what I said the title was today? Pursuit. We don't pursue blessing. We pursue Jesus. Blessing pursues us. Surely goodness and mercy follows me. I don't chase that. I chase him. That chases me. The blessing of God will hunt you down. If you won't get your mind set on wanting the stuff God can provide. Jesus is not the way to the stuff you really love. Jesus is the way, period. And when he becomes the thing you really love, all the other stuff just comes. Seek ye first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you, will hunt you down, will chase you down, will tackle you, will impact you, will impact your legacy. Your children and your children's children will never be the same. Jesus is Lord! Lord, what, what fascinates us dominates us. We want to be fascinated with you so that dominion is released within us to become the men and women of God that you've called us to be. In Jesus' mighty name.